0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well Jeremiah, it seems, has been taking the opportunity to uh, preach Ephesians according to the lectionary. Um, and I find you on one of my regular passages, Ephesians six, ten through twenty. And what I'd hope you'd hear this morning are just a few words and a little bit of encouragement. The encouragement is to get in the fight. Um, there's a lot going on in the world, is there not? Um, I meet with a group of men on Saturday nights to pray and to encourage one another, share our hearts and the topic that we tend to dwell on can change. And this one was death. There was a lot of grief that we were, we were all dealing with. Um, we've lost members of our military this week. Afghanistan's lost hundreds. In northern Nigeria, Archbishop uh, Kawashi, who is in Joss, Nigeria, kind of in the north central part of the country where there's a lot of violence 35 of their citizens were slaughtered by uh, militants Muslim jihadists and the youth in that country are so mad about it they piled up the bodies in front of the door of the local authorities enough of death there's a massive storm headed right for New Orleans earthquakes Anger, suffering. Maybe it's because of who God made me. Yeah, it was, I'm slow to learn, but it took me a while to realize that I was to use whatever meager offering I do have for the sake of the gospel in his church as a clergy person. And so I bear the weight of other people's grief. Do you, you feel the weight of the day? Paul did. And when he finished a letter that was generally a letter to the church, not just in Ephesus, but to the churches. In fact, we have an early manuscript um, in the original language in Greek where the first verse says... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in, and there's a blank. Other manuscripts say Ephesus. And some scholars go, well, that's because this letter was to be a cyclical letter. It was to be written first to Ephesus, but with the intention that all the churches would read it. How does he end it? I'd summarize it this way. Hey, church, get in the fight. Now, if you get all riled up over that, I mean, I get a little fired up this time of year, right? I can smell it. You know, it's hot. I smell the grass. It's almost football season. <laughs> right? So I, I'm a little guy, but I gave everything I had. I played high school football, and it was not remarkable. But I had fun. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, my, my, my claim to fame is that I have an assist. They, unfortunately, they don't, they don't really mark assists on the stat sheet. I ran a waggle route. I was the tight end. I ran a post, and I was open. <laughs> and he threw it. And I went to catch it. And the next thing I know, I look up from the ground, and, and, the, and the referee signaled touchdown. It bounced off my face mask, and, and my buddy caught it for a touchdown. <laughs> it was, it was wrong sport, but I had an assist. And uh, people didn't know whether to weep or congratulate me. Uh, That was my shot at a touchdown. My father likes to remind me of that event. Uh, I get fired up. I'm ready to go. You tell me that we've got citizens trapped in Afghanistan. I'll fly over there and help you get them out. What do you need? I want to get in a fight. Well, how do you? How do we? I mean, St. Jude's and Huntersville's no bigger than you are. How do we get in the fight? Here in Gastonia, Well, Paul tells you, and he's going to tell you to go to a place you may have never been, and if you haven't, I'm telling you, you need to go there now. Fight in heaven. Man, he ends this thing like a coach, you know? I had a friend of mine that would preach for me every once in a while, and he said, Paul, to me, is like a coach. He's a fiery fella. Stand firm. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There's a call to arms here, and he even uses the imagery of a soldier but don't be confused. Don't pull a Peter and draw out your sword and go swinging it like a crazy man and cut somebody's ear off and then hear the Lord's rebuke and go, "Do you, st- <laughs> you still don't get it, do you, Peter? Give me the ear. He's okay. Don't do that again. Put the sword in your sheet. That's not what I mean. You're all right. You know, test one, two. Can you hear? Okay, great. We're not fighting like that. The imagery is to help you understand the severity of the conflict in the heavens. is real. And in Christ, you may now go there. In Christian, Paul's telling you to go there. Jeremiah uh, said, hey, I've been working through Ephesians. I'm like, okay, well, I'm working through John. He's like, oh, bummer. I said, no, not a bummer. You're on Ephesians 6 every tuesday wasn't this week because i was on vacation i was away at yada yada every tuesday this is my focus i have a time of intercession every member in my church is on my paper their needs their concerns i start with the you know my family and i work toward the province and the archbishop and kawashi and foley beach and our vestry and our church and our people and our families and then, you know, friends I said I'd pray for, and then all kinds of stuff, missionaries. And I start with this passage as a reminder that I'm called to go here in Christ and fight. And the greatest fight I can bring for the sake of the world today is for me to be on my knees laboring for those throughout the world. Young people, children in this church, your prayers matter. In fact, I find them beautiful. I want to encourage you to get in the fight. He's going to give you the imagery that you're familiar with. He's going to tell you what to do with it. Put it on. Stand firm. The language behind this, the idea is when God calls people to account. Uh, he called Job to account once when Job had a beef with God. <laughs> and he was like, Hey, uh, I think I need to have a little conference with you, God. And, and actually, the language in the Hebrew is one of a courtroom setting. He's bringing charges against God. And so God finally says, Your court date's set. It's now. Stand up. <laughs> stand firm get up gird your loins is the language and what that means is prepare for battle and it's like oh this is <laughs> you know i had a dear friend of mine who's a wonderful theologian uh john ernest who goes to our church he's our catechist uh dr ernest he says you know it's funny whenever people want an audience with god and they have questions for god the tables turn god ends up asking the questions and they have no answers They go into the room with a bunch of questions, waiting for God to give an answer, and then it flips. God asks the questions. They find themselves speechless. But this idea of stand firm is the same idea with Job. Gird your loins. Stand up. Be strong. Prepare for battle. Your meeting with God is now. The difference here is that Christ has interceded for us. We can now go to a place that we didn't know we could go before. Stand firm. Gird yourself. Put this on. Put what on? truth take up the armor of God verse 13 I'll come back to 12 in a minute I think (laughs) Uh, verse 13 take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day having done all to stand firm stand fastening the belt of truth I'm not going to go big time into all the weapons I'm just going to give you a a run through and I'm going to tell you two things number one it's what this armor does for you and two It's the fitness to which we correspond to the upward call of God. It's what God supplies for us and it's the fitness we uh, then correspond to or respond to with the upward call of God. Here's what God supplies for us. Truth. The belt of truth. He tells us the truth about the world. He tells us the truth about himself and he tells us the truth about ourselves. The truth is that the world is ruled by a prince who's evil. But God's overcome the world. The truth is that were it not the love of the Father who sent the Son, we would not know truth. But we have it in Him if we behold it like children. The truth is that we have warred against God, enemies of the cross, in our ignorance and foolishness. Romans 1, we are suppressors of truth in our ignorance. But God sent the Christ. Christ we may be reconciled and live in the light of the truth and walk in the light of the truth. When you go into this realm, which I pray to explain explain briefly in a moment, you go with the truth. You go correspondingly with the truth about yourself. You don't enter this place with a mask on. What do we pray in the call for purity? Oh God, nothing is hidden from me. You don't enter this realm of secret sin. You're powerless. You enter this realm humbly with the belt of truth. That's why before we pray, we repent. We wander, O oh God, in ways we're aware, and ways we're unaware. I try to tell my kids, your greatest evils are probably not what you did, but what you didn't do. Know the truth of yourself if you're going to get in this fight. Know the truth of the gospel and cling to it as you enter. Second's the breastplate of righteousness. The covering of the, of the critical organs of a human being, right? Don't enter without that. The righteousness that is yours by faith in Jesus Christ. Put that garment on. Take off the garment of your own righteousness. Lay it aside. Your righteousness is worthy of one thing, repentance. (laughs) My greatest deeds are dung. Ashes on my head and sackcloth are all I offer. Clothe me in the righteous robe of your son. So put that armor on and then you'll guard your heart. Secondly, correspondingly, do come before the Lord as an act of right living. Go there like He told you and go there knowing you're clothed in the armor of God. So truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I love this. I'm I'm kind of a nerd. I have done a little bit of security type training, right? And then my son is starting jujitsu, and uh, it's pretty cool, but I'm too old for that stuff. He, he, he's like, hey, Dad, let me show you this submission move. I'm pretty sure my shoulder was destroyed when he, when he did that, you know. Like, tap, 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 tap. I'm out. Stop. I'm 45, and my shoulder doesn't work anymore. Uh, by the way, I identify as an old person. <laughs> I'm 45, and I identify as, like, 80. All right. So it, uh, it, it, it's kind of brutal. Um, Ready position is this. You're in an athletic stance, and your hands are out front. Ready position. You know, whoa, I need to block something. Whoa, I need to reach for something. You know, I need to swat a fly. Whatever. I'm here. I need to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My hands are here. I'm ready for whatever comes. We used to call it the cat-like position, you know? I mean, the cat's like, whoa, what just happened? You know? (laughs) Whatever it is, I'm ready for it. You know, and and you're ready. This is the idea. I'm ready. Send me, Lord. Let's go. I love. Um, oh, see, I identify as an old person. I forget authors, but uh, ah, Leslie Newbegin, uh, wonderful theologian, missiologist, and he said, listen, um, you wouldn't know part of the church's mandate for where you are is to make disciples of all people, teaching, baptizing. You got it. Great commission. Good. Here's one of the ways you can, a question you can ask to know where to go to do that. Where is there a famine, a hope in your town? What a great question. I mean, John 6, right? On the bread of life. Who's hungry in your town? Where is there a famine, a hope in your town? So when you're like this, then you ask the question, where is there a famine, a hope in the town? You now have feet fit with the readiness for the gospel to go there and fight and love them with your life. Where is it, Lord? It's right down the road. Yes, Lord. Let's do it. Let's pray and let's go. I'm ready, Lord. Like Acts chapter 8, Philip, an Ethiopian eunuch, the Holy Spirit carries him to a road where there's a man on top of a coach reading Isaiah. They didn't know what it means. But Philip was ready, feet fit with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Go here. Yes, Lord. And he teaches the man what it means. He proclaims the gospel of truth to him. And that man received that gospel, was baptized, Great Commission, and sent. With ready feet. Philip was there. He was ready to roll. Truth around the buckle. Breastplate of righteousness. Feet shod or fit and ready for the gospel of peace to go where God sends you. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Do you believe that God will do anything in this world? Take the shield of faith. Oh, God, I know you love the world. Because you sent your son, that I may have life and that others may have it also. Oh, God, I believe you will do a wonderful work in this day. Now, grant me the grace to live in in light of it. Uh, My daughter, uh, we just dropped her off at college. And um, she has a... uh, and assignment, she goes, Oh my goodness. She doesn't talk like that, but it's fun if I make it sound like she does. Uh, I have to read like all of 1 Samuel and most of 2nd this weekend. Those are great books. You know, and, and if you do the daily lectionary, you just finished most of it. Uh, you want to talk about Shield of Faith, uh, 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan and his armor bearer. They're getting owned by the Philistines. And Jonathan says. I got an idea. Let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It might be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Armor bearer, you in? I'm in. Let's go. Shield of faith. And they lit it up. Because the Lord was with them. Because the Lord went before them. Because one man in a nation called by God had a shield of faith. And when you go with the shield of faith, you go with the sword of the Spirit in accordance with the Word of God, praying the Scriptures, memorizing the Scriptures, writing them on the tablet of your heart, and you have the helmet of salvation, knowing that you can fight without fear. One of my favorite... uh, movies is a band of brothers a book too Stephen Ambrose wrote a book on it and I, I like him he's a fun historian but uh, the band of brothers and one of their deployments they went to take out a, a German pocket of 88's big old cannons big old howitzers and uh this guy was fearless I forget his name he was uh you're not surprised now you're getting the hang of this and he uh all these other soldiers I mean, he was running on top of the trenches just lighting guys up And he went forward. He was fearless. And they said, how do you do it? Like, how how do you fight like that? He said, I already died. I don't plan on going home. So they can't take anything from me that I haven't laid down already. That's a helmet of salvation. Oh, but it's risky. Life. When I die, I'll be swallowed up by life. Helmet of salvation. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You want to know what that's like? Romans 8. Such a beautiful passage. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because it intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Pray the Spirit. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, me also the words may be given me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak and then he's going to give you a greeting, and he's going to give you a benediction. Paul finishes this letter to the church saying, get in the fight. Where are we going? Well, be very, very careful. You're going to make a horrific mistake. You're not fighting each other. You're not fighting another human being. You are entering into a realm that you may not believe in, but Jesus does. You see, we believe that God created in the beginning the heavens and the earth. And in the old church, the old saints, when they looked at the heavens, a lot of times they saw three levels. The first, second, and third heaven. And God would dwell in the third and beyond. The first heaven is what we look outside and see today. Oh, it's a pretty day. It's just too hot. Right? It's, uh, it's beautiful. We see the clouds. We see the heavens. Okay, But then at night, we see the stars beyond, if we have a clear night. You know, and we even, maybe can see some movement of planets occasionally, right? But then there's the third heavens, that which we can't see. Even modern science and all of our, you know, prowess and prestige, <coughs> we don't know where the end of the universe is. We just kind of put this limit out that says the end of the known universe. That's the third heavens. We still haven't probed its depth. Therein God dwells that place where we do not because He is holy. That's how they understood it. You are going to enter that realm of angels, of demons. There's a hierarchy of angels. There's a hierarchy of demons. There are creatures that God created simply for His worship and glory that we hear about and see in places like Revelation's with descriptions that were like, what? I don't understand that. Don't draw them. Just imagine. (laughs) It's a picture of His might, of His glory, of His power. There is a realm He made of which we don't see, but it exists. How do we know? Well, the angels minister to Jesus. He has authority over that realm. You did not until He entered it on your behalf. And now He's calling you to go there. I want to give you an example of what it's like to go there. And again, heed the warning. Don't fight each other. When you have a problem with each other, what do you know? You know that there are spiritual powers at work. By the way, your little church is a great target. I mean, of all the things in the world, you know what Satan wants to destroy the most? The church. And do you know that until Christ comes... It will be fraught with difficulty, not from without. Oh, they're going to take away our freedoms. You can't take away my desire to worship the Lord. I can do it in a prison. Amen. And many do. Today. That's right. You know the fight will always be from within the church. It's so helpful for me. You want to know why? That's why God gave you the story, Judas. Betrayal didn't come from without. It came from within, and it'll come from within until the last day in the church is purified. You understand? And when you fight, you fight in the heavenly realm. You don't fight each other. We're not fighting flesh and blood. You can take my life, because I'll be swallowed up by life. But you cannot take my voice away from lifting it up to the Lord God, wherever you put me. You cut out my tongue, I'll mumble and murmur. And they did that in days gone by. That's the realm where and where to fight. And let me give you an example of what this is like. Uh, I was blown away the other day because my heart is heavy for the Christians in Afghanistan. My heart's heavy for Leah Saribu. I don't know if you know her story. Uh, about three and a half years ago now, Leah was among over 100 schoolgirls captured in northern Nigeria and uh, by Boko Haram, a famous, horrifically uh, infamous terrorist uh, that operates in that part of Africa and uh, if the schoolgirls would confess Muhammad in Islam they would return home safely and every single girl went home except for Leah because right before they ushered into a vehicle to go home they said confess Muhammad and you shall go with all the other girls and she said no I confess Jesus then you will stay here with us she's still there there. You go there. You fight with her. You pray for her. The Afghanistan Christians don't know what to make of the knock on the door. Well, we're getting ready for football season. You know what they feel like? This is why you need to learn to pray the scriptures. Here's their prayer. Now I want you to just go there for a minute in your mind with me. The psalms are prayers and songs. Use them. Listen to this one. And tell me if you don't hear the cry of the Afghanistan church and the cry of Luria Sharibu. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongues sharp as serpents, and under their lips is the venom of asps. Now this is a prayer we understand for Christ, and now the persecuted church. Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who've planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me. With cords they've spread a net. Beside the way they've set snares for me. I say to the Lord, you're my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord, O Lord, O Lord my lord the strength of my salvation you've covered my head in the day of battle grant not O lord the desires of the wicked do not further their evil plot or they'll be exalted as for the head of those who surround me let mischief of their lips overwhelm them that's a prayer for the spiritual realm let burning coals fall on them let them be cast into fire into miry pits no more to rise let not the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil hunt him down, violent men, speedily. I know the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. Today or tomorrow. And will execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. You know, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, if you start with my, you got it wrong. It's our, Father. You want to know why it's our, Father? Because you're never praying alone. You're praying with Leah's Reboot. Ah, you'll never have me back, and that's okay. I get one shot. <laughs> uh, when I was teaching, we had a young man who later took his life, broke my heart. And the day that we lost Dimitri, I had to break it to the school, which is like 500-something kids because I was the director of spiritual life. I had to break it to my own kids because he'd been to our house many times. And uh, some of the kids had said, you know, if we'd only known. I said, well, God knew. And do we not pray every day? Oh, Lord, be with the sick, the friendless, the needy, and those who are alone. Were you not praying with me when we prayed that? You see, now you know you were praying for Dimitri. The Lord knew that all the way along. You see, the Spirit took our groanings and interceded for him then. You just didn't know it. Don't stop praying. You have no idea the movement in the heavenlies. Go there. You need to go there. But you go there, clothed in Christ, corresponding to what he's done on your behalf. You go there like Jonathan did. With faith and boldness. And joy. And gladness. And perseverance. And fervency. And you pray. And you fight. I wonder how Ephesus received this. <laughs> like, oh, pal, chill out, man. Like, whoa, what's up with this spiritual realm you're talking about? I mean, that, how are we... Uh, what, what, what do you mean when you say that we're, we're, we're fighting over the authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness and spiritual forces and of evil in the heavenly places, Paul? That's scary. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to speak to a hundred something middle schoolers. I can't wait. First thing I'm going to tell them is is uh, the story about Jesus. I think I might change my mind. Uh, who tells Peter? <laughs> hey, Peter, uh, careful! The devil is a roaring lion, and he wants to devour your soul. <laughs> and Peter's like, I'm a fisherman in Galilee. Why, why does he want to eat me? Like, what? I have a little panic attack here all of a sudden. Like, I thought I was just living this peaceful life on the sea of Galilee. What, what do you mean I'm a wanted man? That's the realm that God knew over which he rules. And Peter didn't. That Paul was shown in a vision that he couldn't even put into words. So he left us with a treasure. I want you to armor up and get the fight. And he writes to them with chains about that which can never be chained. You have a high call. Grace Anglican. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, and get in the fight. Amen.